You're listening to Faith at Work, brought to you by LymeRevive.org. Information and healing for Lyme disease. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Faith at Work. I'm Carl Grant here with Paul Edelman, General Manager at CompuSearch. Welcome, Paul. Great to be here. So, Paul, you started out your career as a software engineer. How did you go from developing software to being a general manager of a big company? Hmm. With some twists and turns, I started at Accenture in their advanced technology group, uh, working in neural networks and AI, believe it or not. So technology is coming around. Uh, after that, I was there six years, and then I went to, uh, let's see, oh, I uh, went to sow my startup oats. So I worked with a seven-person startup during the go-go days of the dot-coms. And that's where we got to know each other. It is. What did you learn from that? Uh, life is a roller coaster ride. Um, high highs and low lows and the dot-com bubble burst. And then I did work on some turnaround teams because there was a lot of turnaround work at that time. And I started my own company then. And boy, did I learn a lot from that. And uh, thank you for helping me through that period. It's great. Um, and then I started work for uh, Gartner, CEB, uh, working with chief strategists and heads of R&D. And then I had kept in touch with uh, the... Reed Jackson, who's the now CEO at CompuSearch, and he wanted to launch a new business, and here I am. So for our listeners who don't know what Corporate Executive Board is, explain a little bit about that organization and your role there. Well, it's now part of Gartner. If you can imagine um, whether it was teachers or high school principals, you get a set of people who all do a similar job together, and you say to that set of people who have that similar job, like, teachers, or in my case, heads of strategy for large companies or heads of R&D for large companies, what problem do you all have? And they tell you three or four or five problems that most of them have. And then you go back to the same set of people. And we're talking two, three, four hundred chief strategists and say, well, what are you doing about these four or five problems? You distill out the things that seem like they'd work in each and every company and you package it up into a set of best practices to share with those folks in 18 venues around the world. And then the next year, you start over again, ask them what their problems are now. And what, what is, at CompuSearch, what does your day-to-day work look like? At CompuSearch, we're rebranding the company. So in about uh, two weeks, actually today, this morning, our biggest customers are finding out that we're completely rebranding the company. Um, I won't announce the, when will this air? You can tell me. It'll right. be on after, it's, after it just happens. <laughs> after it happens? Yes. It'll be on after February 1st? Mm-hmm. So the name of our company is Unison. Um, and... We help all 15 cabinet-level agencies from the program office through the acquisition group all the way uh, to include the large prime contractors. Uh, We sort of power the business side of government. And so a day in a life for me could be anywhere from helping a major weapon system um, through our software, uh, the way that we, again, on the business side, less on the missiles or airplanes, but more on the keeping track of the dollars and the schedule and the risk and the contracts. We do that through um, major weapon systems, uh, PAO Aviation, for example, ICBM, for example, all the way through the agencies themselves, all 15 cabinet level. We help them write contracts. 
uh, make sure their contracts are compliant, and um, and then for large government leading government contractors who they have a lot to do to help the agencies achieve their missions, and at the same time there are a lot of rules they have to follow. And if they don't follow those rules, bad things happen to them. So our software helps them make sure they follow the rules. So I'm not sure how much of this comes across in a broadcast like this, but I know you're a very intelligent, thoughtful guy. How does it, how does a person like you come to faith? Empirically, I think, um, uh, in combination with someone who spoke to my heart at the right time. I was I grew up Catholic, but didn't make prayer and scripture part of my daily life until I met a uh, Fortune 50 executive who has spoken at the high prayer breakfast, um, Bill Frain. And uh, it was through his testimony and his leadership that I became a better executive and a better husband and a better dad uh, and um, really started walking the path of uh, trying to be more like Christ in my daily life. Tell me a little bit about his story and how it resonated with you. Uh, well, Bill has enough energy to you know, power the city of Tokyo. And <laughs> so he's a high-energy guy, and it's contagious. And uh, he, he speaks um, openly and um, saliently uh, in a down-to-earth way about his faith. And, um, and working closely with him for a couple years, the message started to sink in. So I think that was the first part of it. And then what I noticed over the years is the more that I was making prayer and scripture um, a part of my daily life, the better my life was going. And where I would start to see difficult things happen, things that I was having trouble dealing with, I would notice I'm getting away from prayer and scripture. So it sort of seems like if you know, as you're on the roller coaster, you're going up hills and downhills, same hills, same height, same speeds. But for me, when I'm prayer and scripture, you know, empirically, I feel, you know, heart and soul and mind, I feel like I'm walking the right path, and that roller coaster isn't scary. It's more of an exciting ride instead of a scary ride when I'm walking the path more closely. So I know your average person out there has a hard time even doing a diet and exercise program. Mm-hmm. Right? We all make these New Year's resolutions yeah. and very few people keep it. How do you integrate praying? How do you even start doing this? And how do you, you talk about reading scripture. Scripture is a foreign word to a lot of people mm-hmm, out there. Mm-hmm. You're reading your Bible. Do you, mm-hmm. do you read a paper version? Do you, mm-hmm. do, you, do you pull out an iPad? Do you listen mm-hmm. to it? How do you, how do you just start doing this and how do you make it a daily habit? Mm-hmm. For me, I'll take the second part first. Uh, Oswald Chambers uh, wrote a daily reader called My Utmost for His Highest. And I've read that uh, probably at least once a week. And sometimes, again, when I'm on the path uh, every day, since uh, I started working with Bill, he recommended the book in 2002 or so. And so that's been my daily reader. And there's a there's a, just a line from scripture at the top, and then throughout the rest of the one page for that day, it talks about that that scripture verse in our lives. It does it in a way that's um, intellectually challenging and um, sometimes abstract, sometimes concrete. So that's the scripture part for me is really Oswald first and foremost. And then, what, what about the Bible? Do you actually break out the Bible and, and read it cover to cover, or how does that work? 
uh, I have a Bible next to my bed, and I do uh, read the Bible from time to time, particularly certain passages that over time that have mean a lot to me, um, ranging from uh, Ephesians 2.8 to John 3.16. You know, those are very, very core for me. Um, I have, I do struggle to read the Bible end to end and have yet to do it. So I, I get, I get through Genesis and I get Exodus and then they start naming a lot of folks. So I struggle with that. But, um, the New Testament I've read, uh, front to back, um, a couple times and the gospel several times. And what about prayer? How, how do you, how do you start praying? It's not a natural thing for most people. Mm-hmm. Well, we start with, uh, I have three kids, two 17-year-old uh, teenage boys, twins, men, I guess now, and then um, my daughter, who's 12. And we pray, God is great, God is good, before, <laughs> before every meal. Uh, we pray in the morning uh, when I wake them up, or, um, and I pray with them at night before they go to sleep. Um, so that's, those are good bookends, you know, around meals and, uh, and around starting and ending the day. Um, I, if I have something particularly challenging that happens uh, at work or with the kids, um, I try to go to the Lord and it calms me and it helps me, helps the situation. It doesn't always calm the storm, but it, <laughs> it calms me. Um, so those are the bookends. Those are the things that sort of frame the prayer. And then I find if you know, we go through some, you know, with the boys at 17 now, we've been through the early days with the emergency room trips because so-and-so fell down and <laughs> hit his head on the fireplace to, to all the things that come with, I mean, you've raised teenagers, to all those surprise phone calls you get and things that happen. And um, in the toughest, toughest times, you know, Sharon and I will join hands with, uh, with our boys or with Claire and we'll, we'll just pray in the moment. And then when you leave the house to go do all these important things you do in your job, how do you take your faith to work with you and how does that work out? Well, uh, first and foremost, I remember that it's work, not church. Um, so I get paid to be there. And so for me to help others uh, along their faith journey, I first need to make sure that I'm gainfully employed. Um, so I speak less so the way that I mentioned Bill. You know, when I came to my faith, he spoke outright about his faith. Um, I speak with actions, uh, seldom words. I find that people ask me about my faith or ask me why I did something that might be uh, on my best day more best for the collective instead of self-optimizing, which may have been a clear path. Um, you know, when I'm at my best uh, and, and I behave in that way, people will ask me, well, why did you do that when you could have just done this? And to me, that's the time to explain to people that uh, it's because of my faith and I think that's what I'm called, that's the way I'm called to behave. And, and oftentimes it'll grow into a deeper conversation. Um, so that's uh, more actions than words, I'd say first and foremost. I find that uh, just like I was uh, talking about with being overwhelmed with the kids, same thing at work. So working through realignments and product launches and high growth businesses, sometimes things get pretty overwhelming. You have a lot of balls in the air, a lot of things moving quickly. Like today, we're launching a new, completely rebranded company, first time in 30 years. There's a lot of balls in the air today. There's a lot of things moving and um, you just can't 
plan for everything. I think it was Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So that with that little funny thing there, you, transition over, you, you strike me as a very serious guy, but, but you got to have a sense of humor as mm. well. D- does God have a sense of humor? He does. My, uh, my mom says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans. So uh, I, I take that to heart. Um, I'd also say that I, I don't know if there are other things that feel good and are contagious and healthy other than love and laughter. But to me, that suggests that God has a sense of humor. Well, thank you very much, Paul Edelman, for joining us today. I'm Carl Grant. I want to encourage you to join us on Facebook at Faith at Work Radio, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can hear past and future episodes. Thank you. Yes, I gotta have faith. You have been listening to Faith at Work with Carl Grant, brought to you by LimeRevive.org. I gotta have faith.